Good evening, everybody. This is Source Material Live. I'm your host, the Mandated Reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Rattledge. And tonight, we are talking about the limited series that started in October of 2020 and uh, lasted for five issues, which the final one came out uh, cover date February 2021, in-store date December 23rd, 2020. And that is Peter David's Maestro. Yes. Uh, you may know Maestro from the Future Imperfect story that was written uh, years ago, where an alternative Hulk from the future is ruling a post-apocalyptic Earth. And the Hulk from that present day goes into the future, and of course there's a rebellion and things happen. Uh, the Maestro also appeared in a Future Imperfect Limited series during the Secret Wars crossover from a few years ago, um, where they basically stopped all of the Marvel titles, relaunched a bunch of miniseries under Secret Wars, and it was from like various timelines. There was a Thors, there was a Planet Hulk, the aforementioned Future Imperfect. There were Battle Zones and War Zones and all kinds of stuff. And then, and of course, there was the actual Secret Wars uh, limited run that took forever from what I understand to come out a whole lot of horseshit oh yeah two pizza pies thrown on top of each other that's how it was described and I think that's how it tasted <laughs> ladies and gentlemen that voice you hear of course is comics historian extraordinaire and podcaster in his own right Christian how do you do sir hey good 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 how are you I can't complain so uh, the Hulk's one of my favorite characters. Uh, I, one of my first appearances on Source Material was actually talking about, uh, you know, when this used to be Jesse's show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Long ago and far away. Um, he had me on to discuss Future Imperfect. Uh, we also did Planet Hulk. He basically would bring me on uh, when he was rotating guests in and out. And he, I was kind of his Hulk guy. So I'm pretty familiar with the maestro. Um, mm-hmm. Pretty familiar with the, with the Hulk... Uh, the vast amount of Hulk storylines from the the odd days of him being uh, gray, then green and dumb, and then the Professor Hulk, Doc Green, all kinds of iterations of the Hulk. That's the one I probably the character I most strongly know. Uh, let's start there. How familiar are you with the Hulk? Oh, the Hulk. The entire Peter David run used to be a uh, run that I would read every single year back before I you know, talked about comics uh, on the air and at a blog where I actually had time to read things for fun. So every year I would read through the entire Peter David run. It is definitely one of my favorite runs. Uh, I didn't discover it at the time. I, I discovered it actually 
way after the fact. Um, I knew it existed, of course. Uh, but to me, I look at the Hulk when I was a kid, and I'm just like, ah, that's a boring character. You know, you think about some of the characters that are not like a... Not to say not well-rounded, but like you look at a character like like a Batman, you know, where he can do a whole bunch of different things here. And then you look at a character like the Flash who can run fast. I would always be like, how am I going to enjoy a guy who could run fast? Hulk is just a strong guy. It's like, well, how am I going to... And, and he's sometimes he can't even talk. It's just like, how am I going to get invested in this character? And it wasn't until I read the uh, Bruce Jones run, which is uh, one that's very divisive among Hulk fans... Uh, he took the Hulk out of his, like, superhero uh, togs, really, and put him in basically a uh, Hulk version of The Fugitive, uh, you know, the uh, the old TV show where he's just on the run. And uh, he's got, like, tops—he's got, like, secret informants that he's dealing with, like a Mr. Blue, who we find out is Captain America. Uh, there might be a revived Betty Brant involved in this, maybe not—or Betty, Betty Ross, I mean, not Brant— um, it's just a really, really fun and different take on the story. This is from early in the Gemis Casada days where they were just throwing everything at the wall, trying to find whatever weird little thing they can make fit fit. And I fell for it. I really, really enjoyed it. And I uh, went through and the Hulk is one of those series that I've collected a full run of since the day I was born uh, up until recently for reasons we may get to in a little bit. But uh, I am a huge fan um, I loved the uh, the David run. I loved the uh, oh boy, I, I just had the name in my head here. What the hell are they called here? The oh man, the group of like folks who are named after gods. Like there's like an Atalanta and uh, shit. It's like uh, Pantheon, the Pantheon era, the Pantheon saga where Hulk. I, I hate using Professor Hulk. I hate that name. I hate the <laughs> fact that they relegated that to like his own persona. I like that just thinking as like a combined Banner Hulk amalgamation. That's how I always looked at it. It's like, okay, this is the perfect Hulk. This is all the intellect of Banner and all the strength of the Hulk. We don't need to make it the Professor Hulk just so we can like sell a new action figure or a trading card. I like that as just the perfect Hulk. And uh, he worked with this Pantheon group. Awesome characterization. Um, they... Uh, they had uh, Marlo come from Vegas and start dating Rick, and then she gets killed but comes back, and then Thunderbolt Ross, they find his animated corpse somewhere. Betty goes through uh, a whole, like, uh, like an emboldening of her character. It's it's just so wonderful, wonderful stuff. But uh, as soon as that ends, it kind of it kind of goes right into the uh, right into the dirt. It's a uh, it, it changes very very harshly and uh this is the tail end of the peter david run where it felt like uh it, maybe his heart wasn't in it i don't want to like project or anything but it felt very uh the soul was just not there anymore and then he you know he was replaced by joe casey for a few minutes and then john byrne came in and did some really really bad stuff and then uh Paul Jenkins took over and started to get it back, and then that Bruce Jones run that I just talked about, that was really, really good. But then Peter David came back and uh, retconned the entire thing out of existence anyway. So <laughs> it's a complicated uh, story, a more, much more complicated story than you might imagine from uh, just a green guy who smashes things. But uh, but yeah, one of my favorites. Um, I haven't read any of the Immortal stuff because it's written by the uh, the delicate genius Al Ewing, and I'm not going to support him with my money. 
<laughs> in the last uh, decade or so, um, I know I read the run, and that might have been what you were just referring to, the run where basically the Hulk made a deal with S.H.I.E.L.D., where they supplied him with science tech and a team. That's the indestructible Hulk. That was yeah. Mark Wade. Yeah. yeah. I read that run. And Jason Aaron, yeah. Um, and then I read the follow-up to that where they sh- shot him in the head. and um, Civil and they, War Two. Yeah, and they gave him the extremis, uh, which then turned him into Doc Green. And that pretty much became the Hulk depowering other Hulks, which I actually liked that run. Um, and I think that all led into... Um, no time left or out of time or you can't do that on television. I don't remember the, what what followed. Don't just sit there. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the, the Doc Green iteration of uh, The Incredible Hulk runs right into whatever the big Marvel crossover was that followed it. Um, mm-hmm. And then he went away for a while. Uh, I, I want to say that's where we got the all new, all different um, that's where we got the all new, all different Marvel, where Amadeus Cho was Amadeus the Hulk Cho. for, yeah, was the Hulk yeah. for a bit, and then that evolved into the Hulk coming back to life, and it was kind of like a horror comic. Um, that's whatever the Hulk is now, and I started reading that. I actually read the first trade of that Hulk, and I just haven't mm-hmm. followed up with it. Um, <laughs> but did you ever read Future Imperfect? I did. Didn't care for it. What didn't you like about it? I, I just felt like it was an unnecessary story. I'm not good with time travel stories. Okay. Um, I'm not good with stories that I feel don't have any stakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was beautiful. Uh, George Perez just killed it there. Um, I like that they brought a lot of the trappings of the Perez stuff here into this Maestro series today. But uh, I think I came into it with a an expectation because... I mean, think about another self-contained Hulk story that is as seminal as Future Imperfect that you can actually point to. It's like someone comes to you and says, what Hulk do I read? All right. What are you going to say? You're going to be like, uh, the whole Bruce Jones run, uh, the whole Peter David run. You can't. It'll be like, okay, Future Imperfect. Duh. Right. And so I feel like it's it, it kind of, um, it repre- it's, its reputation kind of precedes itself. And... Seeing that as like the all the all being story, the the one story you could point people to, and then I read it and it was just like, yeah, it was okay, you know, it was it was a story, it was fine. Right. I think when Jesse and I talked about it on a previous source material, that was one of the things that I said at the time. I'm like, as a self-contained story where, you know, modern Hulk goes into the future and meets his future evil self, that is, you know, is a despot, um, and ruling over a dystopian uh, earth. I was like, it's fine. You know, I yeah. think that, I think the problem with the Hulk, and it's one of the reasons why I, I think Planet Hulk, A, did as well as it did. B, um, is is so well liked and why I like it as much is, is after a while you start running out of bad guys for the Hulk to punch. Mm-hmm. And so you, ha- and so like you were saying about the one of the runs where he's a fugitive, you have to, you can't change the Hulk and you can't put, and you, and, and there's only so many overpowered villains you can put against the Hulk. So it so sure. it becomes about the story of what kind of world does the Hulk live in to where you can he you can imperil him without having him in a punching fight. Yeah. Um and some they, people are better at that than others. Yeah, he can't fight the juggernaut every week. Right. You know, he, or the thing or yeah. the abomination sure. or some iteration of Doc Samson. Mm-hmm. That's why like the, you know the Hulk always worked best against like Modoc and the leader. Um, 
which there was a run there for a while. I think that that ends with like hulked out heroes, where the where the Modok and the and the leader are actually working against the Hulk. And I I read that for a while. Um, oh, the was, Jeff Loeb stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I was well, first of all that. <laughs> I uh, I'm just a simple bird lawyer, as as Jim Cornette would say, and I like my comics to ha- have to be somewhat linear. You know, follow some sort of pattern, <laughs> one, two, <laughs> three, <laughs> so I can follow the story. And I remember trying to go back and read through that era of the Hulk, where um, yeah, the, where the leader and Modok were involved, and it was a little hard to follow because it was like a it was a bunch of different Hulk books, and then there were, mm-hmm. like, extra add-ons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I couldn't follow what was what or what. Full... I had to keep reading Wikipedia pages. Like, I shouldn't have to study this hard to follow a mm-hmm. Hulk story. As no, if no, I'm, I'm trying to yeah. get, like, a nursing license or something. <laughs> no, it's true. It got very, very um, unwieldy there. And, and, I mean, that's just a Marvel thing. When they think they've struck gold on something, whether they have or not, they will milk every last drop out of that teat until it's dust and uh that's (laughs) exactly what they did you know they they launched uh out of uh world war hulk and then uh what was it planet hulk then world war hulk and then they launched the red hulk book right and uh that was that was like a that was a popcorn book you know it was jeff Mm -hmm. Loeb, ed mcginnis beautiful looking work there i mean ed mcginnis doing big you know big dude slapping meat i mean that's a uh uh, that's a recipe for for a lot of fun comics. And Jeff Loeb, say what you will, he does write sometimes uh, exciting stuff. It, it doesn't mm-hmm. have a whole lot of uh, depth to it. Um, it doesn't have a whole lot of sense to it all the time. But it is a you know, it's the comics approximation of a big budget summer movie, where it's just like I wow, enjoyed... explosions, punching. Yeah, I enjoyed the Red Hulk book because the first part of it was the mystery of who is the Red Hulk, and then you find out it's it's Thunderbolt Ross. Who had made yeah. a deal with the devil, and the devil being the leader in Modok, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that's where they introduced the Red She Hulk, who was Betty, yep. and I really A bomb, yep. yeah, and I and I actually really enjoyed that run, and if I and if I just focused on the Red Hulk book, um, mm-hmm. where the the evolution of that book was, who is the Red Hulk? Then they find out the Red Hulk, then they capture the Red Hulk, and then the Red Hulk starts. In his in his own book, he's now working. For, I think it's for Shield, but I think separately from that, he start he runs a Thunderbolts team. He's with the read. Thunderbolts. Yeah, yeah. I read the the trade of that too. The first trade. Mm-hmm. Um, I read a lot of first trades, and then I lose it after a while. Um, I just can't. That's keep what up. Marvel yeah. counts on. That's why. <laughs> that's why Marvel cancels books at nine and ten issues. So <laughs> people go as far as two trades, and like that's it. We're done. Um, well, <laughs> um, but I liked that. I liked, you know, I liked that. That's the reason I liked the um, what was it, the Indestructible Hulk? Because I liked it when the Hulk was break, was smart enough to do missions. You know, With the Indestructible Hulk. I felt like, uh, and this was not a Hulk centric problem, but that was what 2013 or so when yeah. Marvel had this really really big push for fucking Shield. They had such a hard on for Shield. Shield well, you have to remember what's going on in television and the movies. At of that course, time. of course, of course. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that every single book should be Shield guest starring the Hulk. Shield <laughs> guest starring the X Men. Maria right. fucking Hill guest starring Captain America. It was garbage. Right. It was garbage, and it's one of the reasons I stopped reading Marvel comics was was those series of books. Mm-hmm. I, I think um, you know if you think about the evolution of Marvel, and I don't want to get too much off, off on a tangent here, but if you think about like. <laughs> 
you know, the 60s and the 70s where every, you know, you had the occasional crossover or guest appearance of somebody, you know, Spider-Man shows up in the Fantastic Four, hooray. But, I mean, everything was kind of its own um, siloed thing. And Yeah, there were few films. Right. You know, you had Fantastic Four, they were doing a thing, and they all existed in the same universe, and occasionally they would cross paths. But, but, but for the most part, as far as, as far as editing, everything was siloed. Spider-Man, meow. Fantastic Four, meow. Avengers, meow. X-Men, meow. Um, and it and it became, you know, as the crossover thing got got popular, um, it became more of a thing where, and especially after the movies took off, that's that's why I mentioned it. It isn't just the movies are popular. Shields in the movies, we got to focus on Shield. It was we need a framework for all of these characters to operate under. I think Civil War is, it, it, I feel like, is where that started in earnest. It is. It is, because that's when they stopped dealing with character and they started dealing with trope. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they took characters who would never act the way they did and just uh, they whittled square pegs into into round shapes so they could fit them through round holes. Okay. And I feel like and, S.H.I.E.L.D. Shield served as their operating structure for which this, this universe will now work. And here's the thing. S.H.I.E.L.D. cannot maintain their own ongoing comic because they're boring as fuck. <laughs> So what do you do? Put them in every book. Hey, the right. Inhumans, they can't support their own book. They've tried. They had like four ongoings at one point. Boring as fuck. Nobody cared. Okay, let's stick them in every book then. That's not going to work. That's okay. Their show sucked too. I. <laughs> they had a yeah. show too? Jesus. Oh, you've never watched the Inhuman show? <sighs> no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> it's, it, it and is it's like, fitting because the Inhumans are fucking horrible. There's a, if you ever get a chance, uh, I might even send you the link when we're done here. Um, there's a, a Midnight's Edge, which is a channel I like to go to for uh, industry news and editorials. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're pretty good. Right now, they, for the last year or two, they've, they've really had a hard on for the lady that runs Lucasfilm, Kathleen Kennedy. They mm-hmm. hate her. Um, okay. When Gina Carano got fired, they produced, I think, 1.5 billion videos on it. Um, nice. Yeah. They one, they took one or two angles with the Gina Carano firing. Um, <laughs> it was basically Ryan Johnson made a movie they didn't like, and they decided, that's it. <laughs> Our f- entire focus of this channel will now be on, on Lucasfilm. <laughs> <laughs> that's how that went. In any case... Um, but they, but in between the nine billion videos on Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm, they also did a uh, a video on what the hell happened to the Inhumans. Because I mean, not everyone likes the the Mar the Mar- Marvel TV um, pre Fox because that's really the delineation mark the pre Fox purchase. Mm-hmm. Not everyone loved the Mar and Disney Plus. Um, the Marvel movies and television shows. And there were definitely varying qualities. But for the most part, Marvel at least maintained a level of quality that was fine to great. Mm-hmm. There was rarely anything that was so bad from coming out of that studio, whether it was television or movies, that people were like, what happened here? You know, mm-hmm. like, you know, th- there's the occasional, I didn't like it. There's certainly a lot of that. But there was definitely a period of everything being, okay, this was this was fine. This was acceptable. And then the Inhumans came out, and it was so bad, people started making videos just on what happened with that product. Like, how could a studio with... That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, how could a studio with this level of competence produce something this terrible? 
it's like who's a famous sculptor who do you know any famous sculptors um I mean, can we do paintings? Because I'm much better at no, that. No, no, it has to be a sculpture. We'll, we'll just say famous sculpture a, sculptor A. I'm going to look one up. You keep talking. Works works in clay and, and, and makes a, a wonderful, you know, uh, statue of whatever. It's like, oh, look at that. It's a statue. Michelangelo. Boy, that was the first one Michelangelo. I thought Michelangelo. There you go. Then Michelangelo has a bunch of horses shit in a pile. <laughs> Stacks that up into into another uh, you know statue, and everybody looks at it and goes, "Wow, it's still shit." <laughs> Guess what? The Inhumans are shit, and they're yeah. not good. Nobody um, cares about them. Nobody ever will. Yeah. So to round this back to the Hulk here, uh, I enjoyed the Future Imperfect story for the reasons I was saying before an hour and a half ago when we started this podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Which was, you can't... The, the Hulk, I think, works best in two ways. One, when you're giving him a story around him that he can operate in where he doesn't have to rely solely on his strength. He has to mm-hmm. figure out some other things. I think one of my favorite... I've talked about this a whole lot. I've talked about this with Jesse. I've like pitched it as a movie idea. Um, I can't remember the writer. You might have already mentioned him. But mm-hmm. the post-World War Hulk iteration of the Hulk um, uh, there was a there was a block of comics that had been uh, published where mm-hmm. him and Red She-Hulk were kind of running around doing a thing you know he he's wo- trying to woo her back to him and she's like I've had enough of you like I think that was, was Greg Pak yeah that, that might have been the end of the Greg Pak run uh, because yeah. eventually is that when they ter- changed it to Incredible Hulks um because they retitled it for a for a bit there when they had uh, like all the Hulk family in the yeah book. okay so yeah so this is so the run that I'm referring to specifically is the Incredible Hulks, which okay. then turns into the Incredible Hercules. Yes. Okay. So at the end of that, there's a great story called um, it's a two or three issue storyline where he's a spy, and mm. and and they and they made him you know and and the. The villain of the thing was this Roman character. I don't remember what his name is. Um, I'd have to look, look it back up again. Tyrannus? Tyrannus, yes. Tyrannus? Yeah, something like that. And he's hanging out with... And and, and the red, and even though the, the Betty version is still, you know, still has feelings for Bruce, the red She-Hulk can't be bothered and wants to go out and party like a rock star. Mm-hmm. So she, she ends up with Tyrannus. And, like, the Hulk goes after her. And there's this whole like spy story that that kind of flows out of it, and in and this made me laugh. One of the titles of one of the comics was called "The Spy Who Smashed Me," because they were really into using smash at the time when it comes to Hulk. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that was funny, and like that's the kind of thing I want to see the Hulk doing, like you know, shoving him into a suit, trying <laughs> you know, like James Bond, drinking martinis, trying to you know using his wit trying to get through this problem rather than just punching things. Um, and that was kind of future imperfect for me. It was, mm-hmm. yes, you have another version of the Hulk, where have we seen this before? Um, but this Hulk is smart, this, this Hulk is malevolent, this Hulk is running an entire planet. This is a problem. Hulk just can't punch his way through it. There's a rebellion going on, and they're like, we're, you know, we're, we're kind of at a point, we're, we're at a tipping point. We don't know how to get any further than we've gotten and then the Hulk comes along and he helps them and and there's just enough meat here for two issues 
So mm-hmm. I like that. Um, I mean, is it the best story ever? No. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it worked well for what it was, I thought. Which brings us to uh, this certainly, Maestro miniseries. It certainly needed an origin story, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I want to ask you about that. Um, sure. Because you, know, you seem to follow the more of the behind the scenes stuff than I do when it comes to comics. Sure. I mean, other, I think the most, the most cynical position one could take and probably the right one is Marvel just sort of looks around at what they have and go, what can we make into miniseries? Cause people, cause long, you know, long books of three, four, 500 issues don't, don't really don't work anymore. for us. Right. So, you know, we'll, we'll just do an endless series of miniseries. And so they're kind of, kind of like a movie studio with IP. They're just kind of looking around at characters that they've gotten going, well, who could we do a miniseries with? Is that how we ended up with Maestro? Did no one have an actual idea here? They just said, Hey, people like the Hulk. This is a version of the Hulk. Let's do a miniseries. You know, I don't know. It feels like, you know, we're very, very close with our comic creators nowadays, and it's a very adversarial relationship more often than not, where uh, creators and editorial, they usually mock us for caring about continuity and stuff, right? Sure. It's like, oh, you guys are losers for caring so this much about continuity. Here's a whole bunch more continuity for you. <laughs> okay. Well, well, I thought you were making fun of us for this shit, and now you're dumping this whole, a story we... I mean, it's a fine story, but we didn't need it. We certainly didn't need it. I'm assuming, because as I mentioned a little bit ago, name another seminal Hulk story that's self-contained. Mm-hmm. We can't. We really can't. We could do World War Hulk, but I mean, there's too many moving parts in that. Future Imperfect, they could, God forbid, make a fucking movie about. <laughs> right? Yeah. And yeah. I mean, that's what that's what Marvel is doing now. That is all anybody cares about except for me. So that's probably I'm, I'm, I would assume that maybe there's something in the in the air to do a Maestro movie or a Hulk movie with a Maestro. Maybe Maestro will show up after the credits. Oh boy! I mean, I, I, I'm guessing that's probably what this is all about. Maybe Peter David has a contract where he has to write a certain amount of books, and they're like, "Oh shit, where can we put Peter David where he's not going to break something?" Because <laughs> our delicate genius Al Ewing is a, is not going to let it, not going to like that. I really don't know. Okay. So let's get into this miniseries. And so you're asking after that long conversation, well, why are we doing this? Because I like the Hulk, and this was a thing. This, you know, sometimes we do it's modern stuff. It's not bad. Yeah, sometimes we do modern stuff here. Sometimes we go, you know, we do older stuff, especially if it's related to something that's coming out. And it was this was one of those things where, like, we had an open week on the schedule, and I'm like, oh, this is out there. I want to read this. I want to see what this is. And if I'm going to read it, I might as well talk about it. So here we go. Um, Maestro number one, the story you've waited decades for, the origin of Maestro. Almost 30 years after the landmark story, future imperfect, legendary, incredible Hulk scribe Peter David returns to the far future of the Hulk known as Maestro, the master of what remains of the world. With astounding art from Hulk veteran Dale Keown, uh, and up and did like what, three panels in this thing? (laughs) Yeah, about. Jermaine Peralta. Maestro will answer questions that have haunted Hulk fans for years and inspire some new ones. How did the world fall and the Maestro rise? What happened to the world's heroes in between? And where is the Hulk we know and love? Find out here. Let me just say this. I, I wanted to read this. I was interested. But there, there is definitely a part of me that's just like, wasn't life better before we had be, be, before we knew what was, bef- you know, before the present? <laughs> like, like mm-hmm. we're, we're setting this story 
these things have happened. You don't need the whole preamble. You don't need the origin. You just need to know, you know, you just need to know what's happening now. And the rest is mystery. The mess is left up to your imagination. Remember those days? Imagine that. <laughs> yeah. Now, before before Wolverine had to have his origin told over the course of however many issues it was, uh, we were okay just getting little drips and drabs. We were okay knowing that there's a mystery out there, knowing that we don't need to know everything yep. because that just keeps us wanting here. It's like, okay, we're going to, we're going to pull back the curtain and the, uh, and the emperor is wearing no clothes at the same time. <laughs> so our story begins here and we see the professor Hulk. I know you hate that name. But that's what we're going with. <laughs> He's uh, symphony and a gamma key part one overture. Uh, and even all five five of these issues will will be parts we'll of the purple name. Yeah, <laughs> um, he's punching a uh, what do you call the those sentinel? Things? Sentinel, yeah. And uh, he's meeting up with the Avengers. Uh, we see him at the dinner table with Betty and his sons, one of which is green because, of course, he is. And mm-hmm. suddenly, things are not right. Uh, the yeah, program it's a is too malfunctioning. Perfect, yeah, yeah it's, it's a little too perfect. The program is malfunctioning. Um, things are going awry. And now the Hulk is starting to question what's going on. We see Captain America saying, hey, calm down. And then I, I really laughed at this. I, I wanted to... So, I don't know how many of the Marvel movies you've seen. Did you, did you Zero. see... You've seen, you've seen none of them? Zero. Not even the Avengers movies? Hell no. Okay. Age of Ultron, right? Mm-hmm. This is where they set up that there's a relationship between Black Widow and the Hulk. And what? Christ. We'll have a whole separate conversation on that. Okay. But yeah, they, they, they were like, we need something for Scarlett Johansson and Mark uh, Ruffalo to do, so we'll make them in love. And the way that they set that up and establish it is Black Widow is kind of become the Hulk's handler. So mm-hmm. when Mark Ruffalo hulks out, they need to get and they need him to revert back to Banner again. They send in the Black Widow and the Black Widow does... Calms him down. Yeah, it does this thing. And one of the things she says, she starts with is, is this, this monologue that she goes through to get him to calm down. Just, it's like, hey, man, sun's getting real low. That's what that was. Oh. <laughs> Which I laughed hysterically at because I was like, oh, wow, they had to interject that into the comic books now. This thing that, you know, Josh Whedon and company came up with for the movie. It has to be in the comics. Okay, sure. Of course. Of course. I'm surprised Joss Whedon didn't get a fucking credit on the book for that. Because <laughs> we all love Joss, don't we? Uh, let's not talk about that. Um, okay. <laughs> so anyway, so the Hulk and Thor are fighting. The Hulk and the Avengers are fighting. And um, the Vision sticks his hand into the Hulk's head. And we realize, hey, wait a minute, none of that was real. And we see the Hulk wired up to... Um, this big ass machine. He's in stasis of some sort. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that whole thing was uh, virtual reality upon virtual reality. Mm-hmm. So the Hulk breaks out of it, and we see we see uh, two people come and confront him. Uh, he thinks it's his kid. He calls him Rick. Uh, he keeps walking, and he is confronted by AIM soldiers who have big guns, and they shoot at him. Mm-hmm. And the Hulk is like, so, <laughs> uh he fights the AIM soldiers. He starts smashing things. We get, a, you know, we get our obligatory action here, and this is where the plot thickens. Finally, 
he starts walking past a bunch of stasis tubes and he sees vapor from the UFOs. He sees the abomination. And then, lo and behold, after being shot again, we see old man Modoc. Mm-hmm. By the way, did you know that there's a... Um, did you, Are you aware on Hulu right now? Because this is uh, the end of July that we're talking about this. Mm-hmm. Um, are you aware that there's a Modoc series on Hulu? Why? <laughs> Written by Patton Oswald. Oh, even better. Yep. So you know, you, you know Patton Oswald. He's a big like... face in a chair. Isn't that funny? <laughs> Laugh at it. Laugh at it. It's funny, you idiots. It's well, funny. They apparently hi- I don't know if you're aware of this, but they, but, a, but months ago they had hired Patton Oswald to do uh, a comic, and he did Modoc Head Games. Wonderful. Oh, you weren't aware of that either, huh? Um, those are two... Uh, you know, that's like the opposite of a peanut butter cup. Those are two <laughs> things I could give a shit about. Smash together. Okay, well, uh, he who wrote Modoc Head Games was also tapped to develop and write, and I think he does one of the. Vo- I think he does the voice of Modoc, um, a Modoc, a robot chicken esque claymation Modoc comedy for Hulu. Aren't comics silly, everybody? He <laughs> 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 Anyway, um, see all the stuff that and you would be consuming, and you're all dumb for reading them. Teehee. So here's Modoc, and this mm-hmm. is where we get our first ex- explanation of anything that's happening in this book. Um, Modoc basically says, "Hey, we we rescued you and a bunch of other people who would probably benefit from the world being irradiated." Because um, here's what happened: uh, a terrorist group set off a bomb. They managed to convince, and this is what I wanted to talk to you about: yeah, two bombs. They um, uh, set off a bomb that convinced the United States and Russia that it was each other, and so mutually assured destruction, and they blew the world up. And let me ask you a question. Has Peter David always been, like, paranoid of totally uh, mutually assured destruction and a far-left fucking (laughs) screaming liberal? Because I did not know that about him. Because that's what this book comes across as. Yeah, he is. Um, If you've ever read any of his uh, columns... um, Okay, it's uh, his columns are, uh, or they were, they were called But I Digress, and they were in Comics Buyer's Guide, I believe. Okay. And uh, he wears his politics on his sleeve, yes. He is uh, very, very outspoken about uh, who he roots for and what he roots against. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. So this, so this was right in what you expect out of Peter David because again, I feel like I, you know, of the Peter David stuff that I've read, I didn't think it was this ham-fistedly political. It wasn't. It wasn't. But nowadays, everyone is ham-fisted political, and okay. everyone thinks that they're educating their readership rather than just being, you know, subtle. Subtlety mm-hmm. doesn't exist anymore in mainstream comics, unfortunately. And uh, I guess Peter David sees that and figures, hey, I don't got to be subtle anymore because no one else does either. So. Here, here's the thing, and, and I wanted to get your opinion on this because mm-hmm. outside of this one particular point, the rest, the rest, the rest of, of it's just, straightforward. Yeah, yeah, the rest of it's straightforward. Um, it's 2021. The paranoia seems to be that where the prevailing paranoia in the sociopolitical sphere is we're not going to stop the environment from falling off a cliff mm-hmm. and natural. Uh, phenomena, natural weather phenomena is going to overtake the earth and we're going to have floods and droughts and uh, winter storms and eventually, you know, and 
you know, the, 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 lands, the landscapes will physically change and this will adversely affect humanity in one way, shape, or form. That's mm-hmm. the paranoia. That's the Greta Thunberg stuff. That's, mm-hmm. you know, what the... That's the prevailing wisdom coming out of environmentalism. Is, that's the hey, boogeyman right now, yeah. Yeah, global warming is the problem. It's not mutually assured destruction. What the fuck is he talking about? Like, like why is he writing a story where that that would like if this were 1989? I fucking get it, dude. Like, you know, I remember well, this growing is up. a throwback to 1993, so maybe maybe this is some meta commentary. Like, has anyone been afraid of mutually assured destruction via you know n- launching nuclear missiles between the United States and Russia? In 20 years? <laughs> We're just lucky he didn't call them the Soviet Union, I guess. <laughs> I'm like, am I wrong here? Because I read that and I'm like, this seems like the wrong paranoia. I think he needed two big countries who are not entirely on the same page or not in the same page at all. And they just so happen to be the same ones that were feuding back in the day. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. Um, we, we, we couldn't do the Middle East, huh? Because that's racist. Is that, am, am I right about that? We couldn't say, hey, the United, so. the United States and Iran launched missiles at each other and it didn't work out very well. Or the United States and <laughs> some sort of regime in Iraq or something like that. You know, the United States and Turkey. Nope. I mean, it could have been the United States and Latveria. Yeah, it's the Marvel Universe. It could have been Wakanda in Latveria. It could have been Krakoa in Latveria. It could have been anything. <laughs> right. But uh, but no, we have to go to <laughs> the Soviet Union. You know, at least when DC decides we're going to destroy the world, it's it's a fight between the Amazons and the Atlanteans. Yeah, or or Quarak. You know, they have their Middle Eastern stand-in country that they can use. Right. Yeah, this... I, I I actually had to stop reading the comic because I was laughing so hard at that. I was like, "Come on, man!" <laughs> I'm like, I get the need to to feel like you're being current, but like, to, 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 this guy yeah, has, this was irrelevant. <laughs> that's a word, sure. Yeah. Um, I was like, "Come on, man! I'm sure you're on Twitter. Surely you're following the news. You have to be. You can't possibly think that this in any way resembles current modern life." <laughs> okay um glad i'm not alone here moving on so yeah so we so we get our exposition from modok um and then he we kind of we get a setup for the world that the hulk is now going to wander into that basically you have sex of survivors kind of roaming about the earth and you have former new was it former los angeles that's now dystopia or is it former new york well, what uh, I think it was it was Times Square Utopia or Dystopia or was it both? Okay, it was you're right. It was it was New York and it was just and it was former Times Square and now it's Dystopia. Yeah, and then Utopia is nearby there, right? Right. Okay. Um. So that's the end of the first issue. Uh, <laughs> we've been you know we've been talking for quite some time. Let me just get your quick thoughts here. Issue number yeah. one, go. Uh, it was you know it was good. It was good. It was everything it needed to be. Um, I don't know that it necessitated four more issues, but. <laughs> I mean, it tells us everything we need to know about what happened to the world. And, of course, it's like, what is that, Occam's Razor? Uh, where it's just like, hey, the, the easiest option is going to be the option. And it's exactly what it was. Uh, the beginning, you know, I like when they do that. I, I like it when they make things look like it's too good to be true, even though it is mm-hmm. very tropey and it's very predictable. And you can usually see right through it. 
I often say that it reminds me of like the first 10 minutes of a really good episode of the Twilight Zone because 95% of episodes of the Twilight Zone go right into the toilet after that anyway. And it's like really, really lame stuff. But the first 10 minutes, if it's a really good build, it's like you have that weird creepiness there. You have you have Bruce and Betty with their kids. You have uh, the Professor Hulk teaming with the Avengers, which he never did as as that iteration of the Hulk. He didn't come back to the Avengers until the damn movie started. So he was very adversarial with the Avengers at this point, or at least uneasy with them. So and, and Wolverine wasn't an Avenger back then. So there were a lot of like weird things that like longtime readers, which hopefully some longtime readers read this, would pick up on. It's like, oh, that's different. That's weird. That's weird. And you know, Betty and Bruce were married, but they never had kids. Right. You know, John Byrne married them because he was trying to take Bruce Banner back to basics by marrying him. <laughs> Ugh, John Byrne um, but uh, I thought it was really well done uh, the stasis thing makes total sense um, yeah. Modoc, when he's not treated as like a funny haha he's fine and I like him as a point of view character and him taking the Hulk on this little tour and learning that what was it uh, the world would be basically unusable for 27 years or something like that right so the Hulk would have to, he's like, hey, we want to get you back into suspended animation so when the time is up, we can bring you back in and we can start things over again. And we get to this this point here, which, going to the mutually, uh, what was it, mutually whatever, the destruction. Mutually assured um, destruction. That's the words. I really, it, it bugs me when comics rely on this a lot, where it's like, we have supervillains, we have Galactus, you know, we have Thanos, we've got Darkseid, we've got all these, like, huge threats. Mm-hmm. But anytime the world ends, it's like, it was just ordinary people what did it. Oh, my God. So that was, um, a, real quick, because I'm mm-hmm. glad you said that, because one of the things I wanted to make sure I said with you was how fucking condescending this first issue is. Oh, totally, totally. I mean, it, it might actually be the whole book now that I think about it. it is I feel like he, he does that a lot throughout That monologue this. comes up a few times. But it's it's that's like the second half of the Twilight Zone episodes that fall off the cliff. It's always the humanity that's bad. Humans are bad. Aren't we awful? Aren't we the worst? So it's, it's only moderately tolerable because the Hulk has always been a character who... You know, puny humans. He's been at odds with the humans all the time, and he's right. uh, Yeah, and they, and they've been adversarial toward him in in ways where they don't understand him and they don't leave him alone. And I mean, there is definitely precedent for it. Right. So if you're a writer and and you're nihilistic and cynical, and you're needing a point of view character to carry that message through your funny book. I hate the world. I hate everybody around me. I just, you know, the world sucks. Okay, so I'm gonna, so I'm gonna use this medium meant to entertain teenage boys and you know, <laughs> whatnot to to put this out there to get my message heard. God is dead, man. Yeah, I. <laughs> it's no. No college kids you could be <laughs> you could get your message through to. You have to be have to do comics, huh? All right. Sure. I, I get it, man. Um so anyway. Uh the Hulk is a you know, so that I, I didn't I think my I'm not ent- entirely impressed with the philosophy of nihilism. I don't no. as I've gotten older and I've had kids and I've come to appreciate life, my cynicism 
to a degree has faded. So mm-hmm. I hear stuff like this, and I just you know, and I'm and my knee jerk reaction is always to cringe and be yeah, like, oh, just dude, go go get it, go find something you enjoy in life and focus on that. <laughs> it's like, dude, your mom still makes your bed and makes you dinner. <laughs> life ain't that bad, <laughs> right? I was like the your, Peter Griffin thing. Life ain't, stop complaining. Life ain't so bad. Um, your, your mom launders the dried out jizz out of your socks. Come on, life ain't that bad. Um. But I did not argue with the character he chose to carry that message because the Hulk can be cynical and nihilistic um, as he has been. He's a victim of circumstance, yeah. Yeah, throughout his year. So it was like, I may not have liked the message, but I didn't mind the messenger in this particular instance. I thought thought it lined up well. Let me take a minute and talk to everybody about Grammarly. You know what Grammarly is, right? You know, we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. Grammarly helps us write our notes for our podcasts. It helps us with our writing on the internet. Uh, Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. Chris, you ever use Grammarly? Um, I mean, I know we've talked about it in the past, but have you gotten on the Grammarly train yet? You know, I need to because, unfortunately, I write just like I talk, and that's not <laughs> good for anybody. So uh, I definitely need a hand, and uh, definitely I'm interested in anything that might give me that hand. So Grammarly might be the way to go. Absolutely. So for you listeners of Source Material Live on the Rattledge and Broadcasting Network and the brought to you by the W2M Network, Grammarly is offering a free download of their Grammarly software. So risk-free. You can download um, 30 days of Grammarly. Check it out. See if it's for you like it's been for us. And then if you want it, you keep it. If not, you cancel. It's fine. It's fine. Go to Grammarly.com today. Get Grammarly. G-E-T-G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y.com slash W2M Network. Again, that's GetGrammarly.com W2M Network to download Grammarly for free. Issue number two. So our little preamble here that starts us off. The Hulk woke up from suspended animation in a future devastated by war. What Mm -hmm. is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Say it again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) War. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Most of humanity is dead, and the only superpowered beings who remain are kept locked up by AIM under the control of the decrepit MODOK. MODOK offered the Hulk sanctuary, promising that when the surface radiation decreases in the coming decades, AIM will rebuild civilization. But Hulk looked out onto the broken and empty world and decided it wasn't worth saving. Dun, 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 maestro number two. All right, so we open with Hulk uh, looking into into the vista of the world. (laughs) (laughs) Sitting on top of a destroyed Mount Rushmore and wondering, what is life? Um, and this is, are you ready, Chris? Symphony in a Gamma Key, Part 2, Sonata. <laughs> <laughs> Peter David was very proud of that. He's like, oh, this is, this is the ticket. Yeah. Yep. Because um, so you see, Maestro is like someone who conducts music. Yeah. That's it. That's all, it's all so witty. It's very witty. <laughs> <laughs> It was like one day Chris is going to just be outside of like Mar- you know Marvel Comics, just, just with a sign that just says "Write Better Comics." <laughs> What's he doing? Protests, I think. Um, go ahead. 
Oh no, that's it. Okay. Uh, so Hulk checks out Vegas. It's of course devastated. We get a reminder that he was once Mister Fix It. Hooray! He goes into the forest and he sees that nuclear devastation has decimated the forest life. And he's like, "This is all like preamble to get him to the point where he's like, you know what? I didn't like Boiling humans before. Up. I don't like them now." <laughs> uh, he goes to the Capitol. We see the Washington Monument. And, and he yells at Abraham Lincoln for a bit. Yeah, he yells at Abraham Lincoln. Um, <laughs> and he sees like a kid. He sees a kid uh, with the gas mask on, and he's making a run for it. And he's like, oh, let me follow the kid and see where he ends up. And he goes into a tunnel. He finds more survivors, and there's Machine Man. Mm-hmm. And we get more uh, preamble. We get we get more... Um, uh, what's it called? <sighs> Plot dump. Basically, exposition, yeah. Thank you. I couldn't remember the word exposition. We get more exposition dump about this world and what's going on with it. Uh, Delivered by one of Marvel's most boring characters. (laughs) Uh, We find out that they're living underneath the White House, which, of course, is a shambles. And this is where we learn about dystopia. And so the Hulk heads over there. And so that we can give the Hulk some vulnerability, we find out that his body is not as strong as it used to be. And so he make, he tries to do the leaping thing, and he crashes because, you know, he's tired. And his yeah. body needs to heal. Uh, at which point he gets attacked by giant mutant flying cockroaches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, this is all stuff out of uh, uh, Hulk the End. Yeah. I don't know if you've read that. I have. Um, it's been ages since I've read it, but I do remember that. And I remember uh, some very similar uh, looks from... Uh, from the pre-Maestro Hulk or whatever it was going to be in that book. But uh, it's interesting that David is kind of doing a, like a, he's doing like a reunion tour of like mm-hmm. his most seminal stories here and uh, and giving them to people who probably don't appreciate it. But uh, <laughs> they're here. Yes, they are. Um, so the Hulk got messed up by the cockroaches and he's bleeding all over the place. Uh, so these... Uh, he's rescued. By, yeah, he's... Yeah. he's Rescued by a group of survivors, they take him in, they patch him up, he heals, and then he leaves. <laughs> that's, that's, that's it. it. That's it. A little, little bit of padding here, Chris. A little bit of padding, I feel. We've got to get the five issues, man. Yeah. So we see Thank Rick God Jones. God, six. So we see Rick Jones. He's got Professor X's, like, hovering wheelchair. Um, you know, this, was, this was a plot point from when, from when Future Imperfect first came out that Rick Jones had basically, like, collected... He's a trophy collector. Yeah, yeah, the superhero trophies. Um, And we meet his granddaughters, whatever. And Hulk finally shows up in New York City. And he sees the Grand Vizier of the Maestro. Uh, He says, all right, take me to him. And so he does. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just a lot of walking around here. Mm -hmm. And the big reveal. This is it. This is is what all of this issue is leading up to. This is the the big thing. The Maestro is a smiling Hercules. It is. It we, is. We read about Hercules not that long ago. Uh, earlier, uh, late last year, we talked about Avengers No Road Home, which was kind of revolving around him. Yes. Indeed. Um, Indeed. What was your... What do you like about the Hercules character? Not much. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's kind of a chucklehead. Uh, but uh, good in small doses. Um Really, he always just felt like the like the guy they'd bring in when Thor wasn't available. Yeah, and uh, as such, I think I always just kind of looked at him as as less than. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like the bit here where 
like Hulk got a little bit of a daredevil in him here where like they mentioned Maestro and he's like wait a minute that used to be my nickname <laughs> like it was <laughs> I don't remember that but okay just like uh, Matt Murdock daredevil is what the kids used to call me oh okay <laughs> but uh, I thought that was kind of funny and I wasn't expecting the reveal I, I was expecting some sort of hinkiness with like another Hulk there I, I wasn't expecting it to be Hercules so this might have been one of the few times where I was actually kind of relieved to see Hercules. Yeah, I um, I like this reveal. I mean, like I said, I didn't hate this comic at all. Uh, I, I thought Not it was either. a fine story. Um, this was one of the things I really liked about this was who do you put with the Hulk to where you can really like give him a run for his money? Um and and tell a good story, and I think Hercules is one of those people. I think Hercules, yeah. especially in this next issue that we're going to talk about, um, you know, Hercules is one of these characters. is very simple. You know, he's another one who likes to party all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, he likes to punch and he likes to party and he likes his women, usually naked. He's a fun character. He's not particularly well developed. He's not um a deep character in any way but i don't but I, I but i don't think you need that all the time i think you i no. think you need some i think you need some very basic characters to flesh out your story sure. uh and so i think as somebody who would have survived you know if you're sitting around a table and you're and you're spitballing ideas and you're like we need someone who would have survived nuclear holocaust who would yeah. have been powerful enough, god might have done that yeah, yeah to, to rise to power um and you know and kind of get things organized provide a strong boss for people to get behind uh, I think Hercules is a good one, especially if you're going to put him up against the Hulk. So I was really mm-hmm. cool with this. I thought it was fun. Sure. Mm-hmm. All right. So issue number three, the Hulk woke up from suspended animation in a future devastated by war. Most of humanity is dead and the only superpowered beings who remain are kept locked up by AIM under the control of the decrepit MODOK. But AIM's not the only survivalist game in town. Machine Man is the leader of a small group of people hiding under the remains of the White House. A man named Boz has organized a desert community called the Wasteland Survivalists. Why do they need a name? They, they're in this for two, three pages. That's it. <laughs> they, they just could have been survivalists. Um, we, we need that Wikipedia entry. <laughs> and unbeknownst to the Hulk, his old pal Rick Jones is still alive, confined to a wheelchair and in an underground lair populated with the grisly, member, uh, grisly mementos of Earth's greatest heroes. Now the Hulk's come face-to-face with his world's top dog, the ruler of the city of Dystopia, they call him the maestro, but Hulk wants to do him as Hercules. Hercules. All right. So Hercules gives him a big-ass hug. He picks him up. He's like, oh, my God, you're my favorite. And he's like, my favorite what? Sparring partner. Huzzah! Boom! <laughs> Punches him right in the face. Um, part three. Adagio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just feel like every time I do that, you take a pencil and jam it into your arm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just enough, I'm still awake. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I actually think this this might have been my favorite issue, just because Hercules is so much fun. He's he's, like, he's a really good goofball in here. Yeah, the art in this this is the first time I'm going to mention the art. Um, and uh, of course, the art credits go to Herman Peralta. Yeah, Herman Peralta. Uh, color artist is Jesus Abertov. Um, and I have to say, the way they drew Hercules, where he looks like half crazed, but like having the time of his life, is great. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, like, yeah he's on a bender here. Yeah, <laughs> it's fun to see characters having fun in the book. Mm-hmm. 
And Hercules is like, finally, somebody I can actually, like, match punch for punch with. Hot dog. (laughs) (laughs) So they, of course, uh, you know, and and here we have the Hulk. is like, I just wanted to talk. And he's calling him an Olympian oaf and all of that. And they're punching each other. And this goes back and forth. Um, Finally, uh, this goes on for a while. But Hercules, like, punches him into a hole. Um. Yeah, and this is where the Hulk finds Rick Jones. Oh yeah, yeah. And so they have a conversation, and he says, "So I hear you ran into into Herc, or he's called the Meister now. Uh, we sure it's really him, not a scroll or something." He's like, "Yeah, it's him, but he's changed." And here, okay, and I'm going to read this because this is what we were talking about before, and this is where, like. This is why the book is like three or four stars for me, not four or five stars. Mm-hmm. He, he cares about partying, about living like there's no tomorrow, but the city is filled with ordinary people just trying to survive, and he doesn't give a crap about them at all. Ordinary people? He doesn't care about them? That's right. Why should he? Dun, what? dun, dun. What? Because the ordinary people are the ones that done destroyed the world. Ordinary, see, what I don't get about this and about people who do who say stuff like that, it's like ordinary people are the ones buying your books, dude. And also, we get these we get these comments here, which to, I mean, talk about divorcing ourselves from the fantastical Marvel universe mm-hmm. for just a sec. Ordinary people put men on the moon and made vaccines. It's like, okay, but let's let's take it out of the real world and put it into the six one six Marvel universe here. Would it be the ordinary people who went to the moon first, or would it be superheroes that went to the moon first? Right. Probably superheroes. What about vaccines and all sorts of science and technological advances? Would it be ordinary people, or would it be Mr. Fantastic? Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't... The ordinary people who did all this stuff in the Marvel Universe, it would be the big brains and the big bronze. The argument just doesn't carry water. You need to... You need to pretend that the Hulk is living in our world for this to actually make sense, and you just can't do it. You can't divorce the two, and you right. can't have them both together. It's it's a weird argument, and well, I'm sure it's something that 90% of the people reading this don't even notice, but it stuck <laughs> out to me as just, like, come on already. Well, he's absolutely yelling. This, this, is, this is screaming on Twitter that politics <laughs> hate us. That politicians hate us. This is a guy... <laughs> Who instead of instead of sending out tweet after tweet after tweet, going, <laughs> you won't get this reference, but this mm-hmm. this was a pop culture reference um, that I think sums up my point. This is the George Bush hates black people moment. I do know that one. Oh, okay, so yeah, Mike Myers standing uncomfortably next to Kanye, Kanye West, West, yeah, who who uh, in the in the shadow of the Katrina fallout mm-hmm. just blurts out in the middle of an award show George Bush doesn't like black people and Mike Myers is like uh-huh <laughs> gotta go <laughs> like it doesn't say that on the teleprompter I what are you doing <laughs> but that's what it was it, this is George yeah. Bush doesn't like black people this is you know this is a guy who thinks the government should take care of everybody that you oh, know yeah. it should be you know bread and cheese free bread and cheese and medical for everybody um, from a money tree that grows in the Washington in the White House backyard, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. And, and look, I don't. This isn't the time, nor the place, nor nor the the platform for us to debate the merits of so, uh, social welfare programs, uh, b- 
budget deficits and you know and and where are the best policies in between to have a functioning country mm-hmm. i have thoughts this isn't the place where we're talking about a comic book sure but, but this is a guy who seems to think that at the very least and i hate to throw this out because it's become too much of a buzzword but i don't know how else to express this in in a succinct way mm-hmm. this is a guy that thinks socialism is the answer mm-hmm. and and that's what's coming out of this comic book is you know is like when he says stuff um ordinary people like we need to take care of ordinary people that's what he's talking about and it's like why are you putting this in the silly hulk book <laughs> it's it's very strange it's very strange here and i don't know i don't know what like i don't know what kind of line he's drawing under it you know mm-hmm. um are these just passive statements or is there is there something leaking into it i I wouldn't say either way, but uh, it sure feels one way more than the other. Sure, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I'm not reading the guy's mind, but this, I can't help as I was reading this, like feeling like Damon Wayans should have walked into the panel, yelled, you know, with his mailbag and mail and mailman uniform on, yelled "message" and walked off panel. <laughs> <laughs> that's from a movie called "I'm Going to Get You, Sucker," which you should watch someday. <laughs> I, I don't know the reference, but I'm picturing it, so I can I, I understand what you're uh, what you're saying. <laughs> um, if Hercules had any brains, he would lay waste to all the ordinary people, just mow them down en masse. Give me one good reason why anyone should care about ordinary people. Ugh. And Rick's answer is because Betty was one, and so was Marla, and me, and once upon a time, so are you. They're all sheep, Rick. That's all they're good for. They should be ruled with an iron hand, used for an army that can bring unity to the world. Okay, this would be fine in terms of characterization if he had any kind of an arc. But at mm-hmm. the end of this book, he's going to feel the exact same way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, this is a lot of, like, preamble and character stuff that goes absolutely nowhere. This is one of my problems with this book is, okay, you've made the Hulk one way. He's going to be the exact same way by the end of this book. So all so you've told this story about how Maestro came to be, and it's just a recitation of details. There's mm-hmm. no arc. the st- The story is a recitation of details, but there there's no dramatic arc here. There's no tension. There's no drama. It's basically and this happened, and this happened, and this happened. So this is essentially an illustrated Wikipedia page, boilerplate origin story. Yeah, it's uh, and, and I'm trying to think. Did they? I might admit I might have skimmed over this, but did they mention what the other superhero? What what were the Avengers and Shield up to during World War Three? They we all died. They just died. Yeah. That's it. So where's Thor? I mean, where, <laughs> where where are the where are the like immortal characters? Where are these you know the the Supermen and Superwomen of, of the Marvel Universe? Where's Captain Marvel? Uh, where are these characters? They're just gone or are. Or are we going to be getting more of them later in a different... Because I know we have a sequel to this Maestro yes. miniseries going on right now. War and Pax, I think it's called. Yeah, you're right. And, um, like, are we going to start... To, is, like, is the Phoenix Force going to show up? I mean, who knows? <laughs> uh, it feels like... Uh, you know, Mark Miller did that that Old Man Logan story, which was, like, six parts. Mm-hmm. And it, it only needed to be six parts. But then they're like, hey, we got this Old Man Logan character. Let's uh, Let's do more with him. It's like no, you don't and, need to. And more, and more with his side character. So also, Hawkeye got a series. Hawkeye, old man Hawkeye. Old man Hawkeye. Yep. It's like no, you you don't need to. We don't need to flesh this out. <laughs> this is just a story. 
We don't need any flesh, and we don't need Maestro to come back to the present. We don't need any of that. But I'm sure it'll happen. Yep. All right, so the next thing that happens is he's brought to an abandoned lab because he wants to build something. Um, Mm -hmm. And this is his big plot. So he finds a bunch of cloning tubes, and the next thing that happens is the Hulk says, I'm taking over the city, and I'm going to do it with robot dogs. Yes. The dogs of war. The dogs of war. I feel like this was written with, with, with the movie in mind. Yeah, 100%. We need, an gonna, action, we need an action beat. Yep. We need something that looks good on camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be these half Ultron, half Wolverine-looking dogs just charging down a, a dimly dimly lit street. That's that's what we're going to get in, a, in the the upcoming movie, probably. Yeah. There's a She-Hulk show coming out. They're actually filming it now. Now, it's supposed Great. to be like a workplace comedy because she's a lawyer. Get it? Um, Gee-he? Aren't comics silly? But I But there has been talks about doing more with the Hulk... And I don't know if Universal still owns the Solo Hulk movie rights or not. I can't imagine they do. They haven't done anything with them since the, since the, uh, at least since the Incredible Hulk, I would imagine. Um, and that was the, the early 2000s. Mm. Uh, that's the one with Ed Norton. Um, not and then the Ang Lee one? Yeah, and then before that was the Ang Lee one. So I can't imagine they still own the rights to it. But <laughs> who knows? <laughs> In any case... Uh, there's been talk of a solo Hulk movie, and I think there's whispers about having having to do something with Maestro. He'll be in the post credit sequence, tee-hee. <laughs> and so this ends with Hercules versus the Hulk and the Dogs of War. Oh, boy. Hmm. <laughs> Gotta bloat. Gotta get five issues. Yep. So Hercules, Hulk, round two. Mm-hmm. Which takes us to issue number four. Uh, here we go so issue number four the Hulk woke up from suspended animation in a future devastated by war most of humanity is dead and the only superpowered beings who remain are kept locked up by AIM the continent's one functioning city dystopia is ruled by the maestro formerly known as the incredible Hercules but there were survivors hiding out, and soon the Hulk discovered that his old pal, Rick Jones, was alive! He's alive! Confined to a wheelchair in, un- in an underground lair populated with the grisly mementos of Earth's greatest heroes, Rick told the Hulk that Hercules' iron rule was hurting people, but the, Her- <laughs> but the Hulk wasn't interested. The Hulk doesn't want to help ordinary people. He wants to rule them. And with the technology he found in an old Alchemax lab, he might just have the tools to do it. The Hulk brought the Dogs of War to Dystopia and tried to recruit its citizens to his <clears throat> to his own personal army. When they refused, the Dogs attacked. Now the only thing that stands in the Hulk's way of full domination is one of the most powerful beings in all of history. Yeah, da, da. All right. So this is Symphony in a Gamaki Minuet, part four. Mm-hmm. All right, so Herc's tearing through the dogs. <laughs> I don't know yep. what these things are made of, but he don't he don't truck with no with no robot dogs. And so we see uh, Herc versus Hulk round two, and you know Herc's Herc is I don't recall Herc being 
more powerful than Hulk, but then Hulk, but then Herc even makes a point of saying that he was like, "You used to, it used to be that if you got madder, you got stronger, and you'd eventually yeah. overpower me. That's currently not happening, and I'm beating your ass." Yeah. And because and because we needed to have that moment from the movie show up in this comic book, we have only turned on a Ted. We have Hercules grabbing her, uh, Hulk by his foot like he did to Loki and smashing him into the ground back and forth. Oh. Yeah. That's nice. from the Avengers, by the way. The first Avengers movie. Imagine if the movies actually paid this much attention to the comics. <laughs> Imagine that. Hmm. <laughs> oh, comic writers. There's just frustrated <laughs> screenplay writers. That's what they are. Mm-hmm. They just haven't gotten their break yet. And so, of course, Hercules, in a cheeky moment, says, puny banner. <laughs> um, we get to Grounding Pound. Hulk is pissed. He's going to kill Hercules. Hercules says, no, you're not. Uh, and he throws him to the ground. And then he grounds and pounds him, at which point the Hulk says, you know what? I give up. I'm done. So Herc says, good. I didn't want to kill you anyway. And the Hulk fucks off. <laughs> so it's like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm out of here. Peace out. Yep. We get a little bit more with Rick Jones, and then we get a time elapse. Uh, the Hulk is now fully gray and bald. So before he had kind of like a skullet going on, yeah. and his hair was black. Now he looks like Maestro. Yeah. Uh, he's bald. He's got a beard and a mustache, and it's all gray. And so he shows up with a cloaked figure, and... Uh, he says, Hercules, I brought you a girl. And Hercules is like, I like girls. And he says, I know you do. And so Hercules, being the dumbass and horn and horn dog that he is, takes said half-naked girl into another room. And the Hulk says, I'll be right back. I left something outside. And then we I see left something this... in the car. Yeah, I left something in the car. <laughs> uh, so the girl gets naked, like you do. And up, oh, she turns to vapor. Oh, no. It's She's a Her- UFO. It's Vapor from before. Ah, Chekhov's gun. You can't even do something and then just leave it there. You gotta... Chekhov's Mist Girl, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Chekhov's Mist Girl. <laughs> <laughs> so she turns into uh, Arsine, which is the main ingredient of Osinek, if I'm pronouncing that right. And of course, she kills Hercules. Boom. Yes. And then the Hulk walks in and, oh no, she's betrayed because he's evil. And he shoots her with this gun. Uh, turns solidifies her, her. Yeah, yeah. Turns her. Yeah, turns her solid. He smashes her and buries her remains all over Dystopia, so she can't uh, come back together. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's the end of it. That's the whole issue. Issue mm-hmm. number four. <laughs> so we resolve Hercules and introduce the new Maestro all in one issue, and now our glorious conclusion. What's the resolution? What's going to happen? He's killed Hercules. He's taken over. What happens next, right? Hmm. Let's it's find the, out. It's the exciting conclusion. I feel like a page or two more and maybe some editing. They could have wrapped this up in four issues, but sure. Let's let's have issue number five. Yeah, they they, they could have really tightened this up. Yeah. Um, but Rick Jones is still out there. He is. So let's see what happens. So this is Rondo, yeah. part five. Symphony and Gamma Key. Rondo. <laughs> <clears throat> so we, so Maestro has Hercules on the cart and he's wheeling him through town 
And he says, people of dystopia, the maestro will live on in all of our memories. That much is certain. He developed dystopia, gave you all somewhere to live and a way in which to survive. In this day and age, that contribution cannot be underestimated. But now it is time to move on, and I shall lead you. And oh, Hercules isn't dead. <laughs> mm-hmm. He made a deal with Hades. Hades brought him back to life, and now he looks like the Human Torch. Oh yeah, because because uh, uh, the Hulk like actually like burned his body in the middle of the square. Yeah, like Joan of Arc. Yep. Um, and so he's talking, 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 and the people, and he's trying to convince the people, like, well, now will you listen to me? Now will you know? Will you make me your leader? And they're like. And 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 in a bit almost out of Monty Python's Holy Grail, he's like, "Why can't we have an election?" <laughs> like, well, you didn't elect Hercules. He's like, "We were in chaos before. It's been like a hundred years." <laughs> I believe one person might have actually said, "Look, fishy women throwing scimitars is not a way to have an elected government." <laughs> or however the line. You ever watch Monty Python and the Holy Grail? Nope. All right, so that joke is meaningless to you. <laughs> I gave a sensible chuckle either way. You did, you did. You at the very least laughed at my impression, even though mm-hmm. you didn't understand it. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, so the dogs start attacking the people because they won't listen. <laughs> the people are revolting. You're right, they suck on ice. No, sir, they're actually revolting. That's from History of the World Part 1, uh, the French mm-hmm. Revolution, as a matter of fact. Anyway, Rick Jones' people show up. Uh, they, they're shooting Forge's gun. That's what they've got. That's their big weapon. And now we've got a fight in the street, and we've got Rick Jones' people versus the Maestro. And Hercules has reanimated on fire. Um, I didn't notice this before, but his belt melted, so it went from yeah. an H to an M. Get it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Terrific. Yep. That'll, be our, uh, that'll be our visual cue at the very end of the issue. Yep. Uh, round three. Burning Hercules versus New Maestro. This is like a WWF feud. It's just endless. It's the same two mm-hmm. guys for months on end. It's true. And neither are getting over. <laughs> yep, 50-50 booking. <laughs> All right, so they go back and forth. Um, more talking, more fighting, more talking, more fighting. Would you say that that's very common in comics now, is talking and fighting and talking and fighting? Yes, we like our banter now. Okay. Even more than before. Um, Hercules is then shot with the forge gun by the old Grand Vizier, who says, hey, I never liked him anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would be a, a shocking turn unless you read Future Imperfect already. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he knows that they have to end up allied, so it's it's going to happen. So he gives him the gun, and, and, and Maestro says, anybody else want, <laughs> anybody else want to object? <laughs> uh, he goes after Rick Jones with the forge gun, and of course Rick Jones is fucked off. He's bugged out. Yep. Uh, we get a, we get our final speech because if Rick Jones is good at anything in the Marvel universe, it's making speeches. Mm-hmm. And and the big reveal here, the big like, the big drama of all of this is that Maestro. It's a little unwieldy the way he gets to this point, but basically what he's saying is that you have fought for years not to be your father, and now you've become your father. And isn't that what all sons do, Chris? We all become our dads, except that That's the what Hulk's, they say. Except that the Hulk's dad was a abusive prick, abusive prick, a sociopath, and that is what the Hulk has become. Everything he hated, everything he strove to avoid, he he has evolved into, and that is the deep inner meaning of this entire Maestro book. Don't you understand, mm-hmm. Christian? Is that it. the Hulk has succumbed to his worst impulses and become the thing he hates? 
There it is. There it is. I, I did love the uh, the opening to this discussion here, where like uh, like the Hulk goes to to Rick's little bunker, and there's a, a video monitor there. It's the only mm-hmm. thing that's left. And Rick talks. That's how Rick gives the speech here, and it starts with uh, the Hulk saying, "Are you scared to face me?" And Rick's like, "Well, yeah." <laughs> <laughs> You're kind of the Hulk. Yeah, I'm scared mm. to face you. Right. <laughs> Perfect. And then he blows the Hulk up. Then um, he blows up the la- the uh, the bunker, yeah. Yeah. Um, And then that's it. And our final bit of thing here. Uh, he says, is everyone okay? He's like, yeah, a bit shaken up, but that's fine. So shall we go to your castle banner? What do we call Hulk? you? Right. Actually, I've outgrown, I've outgrown both names. Call me... Maestro, and like Conan, he sits on his throne with the melted Hercules belt behind him. Yep. All right, so I'm going to give you the last word here. Um, I gave it four stars on Goodreads. I thought it was fine. I Out of how many? Five. Um, okay. And I gave it four stars because I really liked the art. I liked, you know, as I said before, I'm a simple bird lawyer, and I like you know, I like my comics to be simple. Um, and not convoluted, not all over the place. Um, and I think it largely succeeded there. Um, they were. Uh, this is a po- this is a review, a critical analysis podcast. And so, yes, there were things that bothered me. Yes, there was things in, embedded in the narrative that were worth talking about and worth complaining about. But it didn't make me hate the book, and so I didn't want to give it a lower score than that. I. Maybe four is, four might have been too much. Maybe three stars have been more appropriate. But overall, like I had a fun time reading this, and I like the story, and I kind of want to see what happens next. So that's all I can ask for for a book. I don't expect these things to change my life, and I don't expect them to bring me the happiness that you know that fills my heart and makes me content. I expect it to entertain me for the hour it took me to read it. So, <laughs> <laughs> but what say you, Mister Sheehan? Well, if I was on a star rating system, I'd probably give it three. Because we're okay. not in the Tokyo Dome, so it's only getting three, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, it was it was okay. Um, largely, it's a story I don't think we needed, but again, I mean, that's you know yelling at the sky right now. It's uh, it's comics, you know. We're going to get the stories we're going to get, and I mean, how many comics are required? You know, probably zero or less. So uh, with that, uh, you know, under that sort of a situation there, I don't feel like we needed a fully fleshed out origin for the maestro. I feel like it might have taken, I, I mean, do we want to sympathize with him? No. You know, I don't think we want to sympathize with him. We don't want to see everything that he went through. We don't want to, like, humanize him. He's a, he's an evil, despotic ruler of a destroyed world. Sometimes that's all you need to know. And in making in making him somewhat sympathetic, I mean, he's still an asshole, but he's seen some shit, and he's gone through some stuff. And then we can get into the you know the psychological analysis of turning into your father and how that is almost a victimhood unto itself. And I, I mean, it's I don't want to feel sympathy for every one of our villains here, and that's something that I think writers do a lot these days. Is uh, it's like it's the Jeff Johns thing, where every every character he has to write, whether it's a good guy or a bad guy, will get the sympathetic origin story. They're broken in some way. They're fractured in some way. There's a reason to feel bad for them. There's a reason to relate to them. And I just don't think that that's necessary. This story was unnecessary. 
From what I'm told, War and Pax is a lot better than this. I have a friend who's a very, very big fan of The Incredible Hulk and uh, not a fan of Al Ewing stuff, but did pick up uh, Maestro and did pick up, I think, the first two issues that, of War and Pax that are out right now. And he thought this one was middling, but is is absolutely adoring War and Pax. So maybe there's better things to come. I don't know. Okay. Uh, before we go, I want to share something with you because I know how much of a big hip-hop fan you are. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm all about it. <laughs> yeah. I know Christian loves his old school hip hop, his new hip hop, his medium rare hip hop, all of it. Yo, so yo, yo, yo let who... me speak on this. Yeah. I don't know if you know who Ill Bill is, but Ill Bill is an American rapper and record producer from Brooklyn, New York. Hey, I'm and from there. He's gained fame in the underground hip hop group Nonfixian. Ill Bill is known for diverse lyrics as the producer, founder, and CEO of Uncle Howie Records. His brother Ron is rapper and producer Necro. Did you know that? Can't say that I did. Well, if you, the reason I mean, why yeah, I'm, of course I did. Of course I did. <laughs> well, if you, uh, the reason why I'm bringing this up is um, the, obviously there's no soundtrack to to talk about because it's a comic book, but. <laughs> But if you're into the Hulk, he actually put out an EP in 2019 called Cannibal Hulk. This hip-hop EP that he did, Cannibal Hulk, it has uh, songs on it like Yo Gamma Gamma, get it? World uh, War Hulk, which we talked about before. Joe Fix It. Uh, Hulk Meat, M-E-A-T, Hulk Meat featuring Gore-Tex. And do you know where you can find this Cannibal Hulk EP so that you can listen to it over and over and over again, and you can because it's only twenty three minutes long. I would guess it's probably Amazon Music. You're right. Hey, <laughs> they got everything. And they do. Every time I go to look for an album, I can find it on Amazon Music. It's the best streaming service for music you're ever going to find. And right now, if you go to getamazonmusic.com/w2mnetwork, you can sign up for a free thirty days of Amazon Music and download all the ill bill and he happened to have Stu Bangus on here. The you know Stu Bangus? The Stu Bangus at B A N G A S oh Stu Bangus. So it's so this is a this is a split joint between Ill Bill and Stu Bangus, Cannibal Hulk. Like no lie, I'm going to listen to this as soon as we're done recording. Um, <laughs> I I got to hear what this sounds like. <laughs> but if you want to listen to Cannibal Hulk by Ill Bill and Stu Bangus or anything else that might pop into your head like it does mine from out of absolutely nowhere, you can go to AmazonMusic.com slash W2M Network, sign up for your free 30 days of AmazonMusic.com, and stream till your heart's content, Christian. Isn't that wonderful? Mm -hmm. I'm all about it. All right. Um... <laughs> So with that said, we'll come back maybe uh, in a couple of months when there's some room on the schedule and you and I have the time and maybe we'll do War and Pax. How does that sound? Sure. Okay. See where this... You say it's better. Your friend says it's better. That's uh, what I hear. That's the scuttlebutt. I'll take any opportunity to read more Hulk stuff, especially self-contained Hulk stuff. And isn't that all comics now? Self-contained uh, mm -hmm. or canceled? <laughs> However you yes. want to describe it. <laughs> Retroactively made into miniseries. Is, is, is. Yes. Um, in the meantime... Um, Go ahead and just give a general plug for where they can find your stuff. 
Oh, yes. You can find me at chrisandreggie.podbean.com or chrisisoninfiniteearths.com. On the Twitter, I'm at Ace Comics. Do a whole bunch of uh, writing and talking about comic books. All righty. Tomorrow, oh, we're going to continue our look at uh, some weird comic books. We're actually, this, is, this one is from the Podsman. We got together and we reviewed Invasion from Wrestletopia. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be out tomorrow. You can check that out. And then we got even more comics later in the week. Uh, this time, it's a graphic novel that was adapted into the movie that came out last week called Old by M. Night Shyamalan. So we'll do a comic strip for Old based on whatever the name of the book it's called. I don't remember. I think it's like Sandcastle or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll do Invasion from, uh, and we'll do Invasion from WrestleTopia. So that's all fun. All right. Chris, I want to thank you for being on with me today. I appreciate it. Certainly. Always love talking to you. And until until the next uh, source material live, be well, be safe, and behave. (laughs) 